0: Man, man, I love it. Love it. And why I introduce you every time is because I just love
1: introducing a coach. Oh, my goodness. uh, From Uh, from
0: Rahab or from. uh,
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm from
1: from from everywhere. everywhere. Like I'm associated some way, somehow with every organization in Greater (laughs) Akron. I don't know how, but I know somebody and I'm just hey man. I just want to be a part of the team man. I'm a team guy. So whatever role I can play, allow me to play that role. Love it. All right.
0: All right, my friends. So, one, if somebody's just jumping on here, this Rahab Ministries? Do you guys ever get calls about a Rahab or something said differently? Could you introduce yourself and then what your role is at Rahab?
3: Sure, absolutely. So, hey guys, thanks for having me on. My name's Kelly Carey, and I know that can be confusing with the two first names. So, um, I'm Kelly Carey, and I am the Vice President of Programming at Rahab Ministries. And Rahab um, has been active in our community for the last 18 years, uh, serving survivors of sex trafficking. So our mission is to provide hope in Christ to those who are individuals who are being um, trafficked and sold for sex, as well as those who are vulnerable to sex trafficking. Mm.
0: Wow. That was that was a lot there. Okay, so um, so working with Rahab then, um, I would love just to know, like, if I'm completely ignorant to, because I've got to be around Rehab thankfully. Uh, what does that What does that mean that you're give, giving this hope of Christ to uh, these people in sex trafficking?
1: Hey, hold on one yeah. second, Ben. Before we get too deep into this conversation. Okay, but you like overlooked the probably one of the most important things that she said. Right. And it's something that we have in common. We have two first names. A lot of people call me Boyd and a lot of people think that my last name is Kemp. And I have to say, no, my my first name is Kemp. My last name is Boyd. So that's something that me and Kelly share is that we had either two first names or two last names kind of together. So that was something that cannot be overlooked that we I'm have so in sorry. common. So I, 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 my I sister, totally thank you it. so much.
3: I can relate. And never, I like that you never, can't too. I get called Carrie all the time.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: so do you guys, do you guys just like say yes now? Or, or like, you're like, okay. Yeah. Like Mr. Kemp.
3: I respond you, either. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. You're playing field. You just say, yep. Yeah, no that, problem. I don't have that problem with Ben Beaver. Most people are, they pretty much can tell Beaver's probably not my first name. Yeah. Um, That's fantastic, though. So, anyways, I go too deep too fast, Kelly. Um, (laughs) But I would love to know uh, what does that mean you're helping people in sex trafficking?
3: Yeah, sure. So I think what it looks like, um, we have, I can talk about our services. So I'm over our programming. Um, but I feel like I want to go back and talk about kind of how Rahab started. Um, and that was with Becky Moreland 18 years ago when she just started, um, really ministering to people, talking to people, women who were on the streets or in the strip clubs that were um, at that time before really sex trafficking was a a well-known term, um, were women coming out of prostitution um, that were being prostituted in our area. And um, really that has grown into now, Rahab has this continuum of care of services. So what that looks like bringing hope in a lot of different areas, um, we have outreach um, still in on the streets and in strip clubs um, in our area, um, in the greater Akron area in Northeast Ohio, and then we also have our community-based programming, um, and that's uh, our drop-in center uh, off Matthew Street that a lot of people know about, as well as our minor mentoring program to serve um, individuals who are uh, minors ages 12 to 18 that are survivors of sex trafficking or at risk vulnerable to, to, be trafficked as well as all the way to safe housing. So we have two safe houses as well. So when we talk about providing hope, we're talking about providing hope from all the way on the ground level, just interacting with someone, providing hope in a way of sharing a smile, sharing food, hygiene items, resources, um, giving them a place to stay in a community to fellowship with at our drop-in center um, letting them see that they are loved valued worthy um, all the way to at the end you know we offer that safe housing component and not everybody enters safe housing and wants that um, that type of uh healing and restorative healing or needs that um but we offer something at each step of the way but i think when we talk about hope we mean really showing the women and children that we serve, that they have value.
0: Man. I love, I love that. Cause that's, that's hope that is, is action oriented. It's verb oriented. It's not, Hey, it's hope. That's the name of our program. You're actually legitimately boots on the ground, giving mm-hmm. hope to these ladies and it just ladies specifically, um, just to understand that, um, I, I I don't know if that's a generalization that I should just make or is it is it specifically to women in sex trafficking in Akron?
3: Yeah. So in general, human trafficking doesn't just impact women. Um, It impacts both men, women, boys, and girls. Um, But primarily um, our services have um, catered to and focused on women and children because that's the need that has been presented. Um, And those are the people that really the doors have been open for us to serve, but we have served um, uh, males in the past as well.
1: Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) If I could jump in one second, I want to ask Kelly what, because he, here's the thing, like there are, I think different individuals or different organizations that see a need, see a gap and rolling and want to do good and do well, right? We we're driven that way through our faith and how we believe in Jesus. And so we want to get out there and it's like, wow, we want to attack. Yeah. And something I learned probably a couple of years ago is that we can do that. But how can we do that while allowing people to gain, if you will, their own dignity back right to where to where it's like nobody's coming in and just giving you, if you will, fish. But we're actually teaching you how to do that, which there's some dignity in that versus just kind of doing that. And it. And it kind of sounds a little bit, as I heard you talk, that you in in your guys's programming, you're allowing people to gain some of their own dignity because i had to think going through human trafficking some of that some of that is lost right some of that you you know you get somebody it's kind of like and i'm not putting words in your mouth this is my this is my words you mm-hmm. almost get the shell of the person mm-hmm. you know so what are, what are some of the outside within some of the programming what are some of the intentional things or even stories that you've seen where people have gained back their dignity mm-hmm. and then also too, from a ray perspective how are you guys intentional about helping people to do that?
3: Sure. I love that question because that's so true. Um, I think that especially with individuals who have experienced a type of trauma that the people that we're working with have experienced, um, they have lost a lot of their dignity and what we would say is choice. So they've lost the choice. Um, and a lot mm. of times we're giving back their their choice. So we're giving them choices to engage with us, choices um, uh, to be able to tell us what their needs are and how we can best walk alongside of them and come alongside of them and not tell them what they need at each step in their journey. So some practical ways would be, um, you know, I think about um, our drop-in center. Um, no one is forced to be there to engage in any type of programming or um, to receive any of the love that we so so desperately want to give, obviously. But when they are there, they're given choice to participate in some of our programming, whether that be um, a support group, Bible study, um, we offer celebrate recovery, things like that. Um, we are there really building relationship with not only Rahab staff and the women that we serve, um, but also relationship with the women amongst themselves too. Um, And I think that the dignity is restored not only through choice, but also through the, um, the authenticity of the relationship that we're offering is really key that we are truly there. We are not asking anything of them. There is no exchange of, we do this for you, therefore you do this for us. There's no fee or payment in any of Rahab's programming, um, which is, or length of time that you can be in any of our programs. You can come to the drop-in center forever. You could stay at our safe house and, and be there for as long as you need to heal. I think those are things that give dignity back to the women and children that we serve, because we're not asking for anything in return. We simply are walking alongside of them, building those relationships.
2: And,
0: And, and hearing that on that line of, of, of dignity and restoring that, I love what coach was saying is, is, is that teaching how to, how to fish sort of thing. Like, Maybe meet me like it doesn't have to be very specific stories because I know that this is uh, it's very um, um, confidential. Um, but like, what, where, where, generally, are you meeting uh, women and children at? And then, what have been some, kind of some of the success stories? Like, yes, like we did our job. You know, like we didn't just run a program. We 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 loved people in Akron. Now, that's what we talk about all the time. it's not just about running a program it's not just doing it's being. This is who we're called to be so what is so what does that look like for you?
3: for sure, yeah, I think that um, I could talk about success stories probably at each level of programming, and you know the way we measure success is really about did someone um really were like seeds planted. Did someone receive that love that we were trying to give to them and, and see that value in themselves? And, you know, so I think one of the success stories I'll share, which is most recent um, with everything going on with COVID, um, you know, we, Rahab did not stop Um, during this time. We did not halt our programming in any way. We tangibly went out to the streets with our street outreach and we've served roughly 11,000 meals thus far um, during this time. Um, And not only meals because people needed them and there was that food insecurity during this time, still is, um, but also were sources of hope to say, I see you, you're important, you matter Um, We're here for you. What else can we do for you? What are those needs that you have during this time? Um, And then our drop-in center, you know, success story would be then because of that outreach, we've had several people then come to our drop-in center and say, I felt loved during that encounter with you during, whether that be street outreach or whether that be through strip club ministry. And therefore I'm here because I, I felt that love and I want to be a part of Whatever's going on here at Rahab. and that success is even wanting to engage um, at that level at our drop-in center. Um, and then I also just think about um, our minor mentoring program. Um, we don't get to share just confidentiality-wise. We don't share a lot of stories, but I think one thing that that um, we always go back to with our with our men- with our minors that we that through our mentoring program is. That relationship really is like the intervention. Um, our mentors are constantly being called when our teams are in crisis. In times of crisis, it's Rahab that they're calling. It's their Rahab mentors that they're they're calling. That's success, you know, that they are reaching out for help. Um, it's success when someone that we've been pouring into for years which has happened several times at the drop-in center or through minor mentoring, it's success when they enter the safe house, one of our safe houses for the first time, that's success. Um, It's success when they stay at one of our safe houses and um, they celebrate a birthday for the very first time and maybe they've never ever celebrated a birthday before and we just had, that's a beautiful success story, we just celebrated a birthday at our minor safe house, um, Rebecca's Place, um, recently where one of our residents Um, turned 17 and never had celebrated a birthday before. Mm -hmm. And we got to, we got to do that for her. So, I mean, those are success stories, you know, and we know that the lasting change is happening because of those um, encounters and um, opportunities to show love.
1: Okay. I want to give a shout out if I could, Stephanie Johnson. Um, Stephanie Johnson um, was a sister who reached out to me, man, it was it has to be now about eight months ago, if not a little bit longer. And she had heard me talk somewhere at a meeting and I brought up the I brought up the BW question. Do you know what the BW question is, Kelly? No. The BW question is the black, white question.
2: <laughs>
1: Very simple, black, white. And so I, I've i had the chance as being a black brother to come in to meet with Rahab to see the awesome work that you do. And I've always felt there's been some type of disconnect, if you will, um, with inner city Akron, really knowing and understanding what Rahab does and what Rahab is doing, because sometimes I think, and and, and perception is perception, right? Whether, hey, listen, man, even even in Christendom, there's perception. You know, we can't run from we can't escape it. And we know that perception is essentially my truth, but it's not necessarily the truth or the whole truth. Right. And so for somebody like me who looks like me and I'm talking to you, my perception may be, well, Rahab just works with white people. Right. There's only white people getting humanly trafficked. Right. It's it's, it's not a it's not a black population type of an issue. You know, maybe the issue is something else. Could you tell. So myself and some of our listeners, what, what's the breakdown demographically as as far as some of the people that that some of the some of the women that are being trafficked?
2: Because I, I don't think
1: they're all white, but at the same time, I don't know. So I want to I want to I want to help to paint a picture here that this is just not a, you know, to me, trafficking falls into the lane of drug addiction, mental health. It's like it doesn't discriminate. There is there isn't just one color, one gender. It's like it's a, it's, it's whomever. Right. So if, if you could just help some of our audience and listeners kind of kind of get to know that, because, again, um, I want to be a bridge builder and a bridge connector um, across not just sectors, but also the colors, cultures and congregations, because I think only when we can do that, really. Can we, as a as as a city, as Greater Akron, really thrive? Right. It's when we can. It's when we can break down some of these silos, or some of these perceptions, some of these isms. So, if you could just lean into that a little bit, take it to where you want to go, but I'm putting it out there.
3: I'm so glad that you did. Absolutely. So, um, I think this is such an important conversation to have, and I think the best place to start would be to say absolutely sex trafficking impacts everyone, every race, every age, um, every suburban from inner city to um, higher socioeconomic status. So it it impacts everyone. So what you said is absolutely accurate. Um, I think that I also would love to throw a statistic out there that's from Rights for Girls, which is a fantastic organization. Um, uh, They always uh, share the statistic of there's roughly um, what our best estimate is about 40% of um, trafficking victims that have been identified um, are women and girls of color. So that's a high percentage. Um, so absolutely it is impacting um, women and girls of color in our communities. Um, and, you know, I think to even take it a step back so that people really understand what trafficking is and why it impacts every community is probably the easiest way to to go about it. And at Rahab, we kind of explain it like this. So there's three ingredients to sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. There's somebody that's vulnerable. So that's a vulnerable individual. And I can talk about what makes someone vulnerable. There's the exploiter which is that trafficker or someone who is exploiting someone for some type of financial gain And then the third component is demand. There's someone that is actually wanting to purchase sex and is demanding that they receive that commercial sex act or some type of sex service. So those are the three components of sex trafficking. And if those components are present in a community, you're going to have sex trafficking in your community. And what we always try and tell people is they're present in every community. They yeah. are present everywhere. Um, Akron is no different. Um, and, you know, I think that we talk a lot about myths of trafficking, and I don't have to go into all of that now, but there's a lot of myths about how trafficking takes place, who it impact, who it affects, um, but really it affects um, anyone that is vulnerable, and the vulnerabilities are, you know, mental health, runaway, runaway youth, maybe potentially being involved in the foster care system, someone with substance abuse or drug addiction, um, someone that has um, experienced sexual abuse as a child. So there's several vulnerabilities and that impacts everybody.
1: Mm. Appreciate that. Appreciate that a lot. Uh, Cause I think those questions, I think those, those discussions are so important. I just think in the society we live in, um, you know, it seems like every week that you have, you um, a person of color that that is dying, whether it's due to police violence or something, and and it's like there there's so much of this injustice, and I think that us as a body of believers, if we're not leaning in to talk and discuss it and to address it, then sometimes the perception is is that we don't care or that white brothers and sisters um, who believe the way I believe don't care, and there and it comes off sometimes as being a little bit dismissive. And I don't think that's always the 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 act the, the reality of it. I think sometimes it it does make us uncomfortable. It makes us uncomfortable to have the 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 BW conversation because we all want to believe that. Oh man, aren't we past that? Well, it's hard to get past something that you never really address. You know, it, it's it it just is. And so, I and that's why I gave a shout out um, to, just to Stephanie because she did reach out to me. And she says, hey, Kim, this is kind of where we're at. And, you know, we want to shift to where our staff demographic begins to look somewhat resemble um, the the young girls and women that we are helping, essentially. And and I just really respected that. I respected her, um, to use your word, it's respect her vulnerability in that moment to say, hey, hey, we, we need to get out more. We need to get our messaging out there and we would love to meet with other sisters that we can present ourselves to, but also that can help us even in some of our terminology and our language. And and I just really appreciate that. You don't get that a lot. Um, and so the fact that she was open enough to to engage um, with me in that way, I thought was really awesome. And I'm really proud of um, some of the work that we've done together and, and look forward to ongoing things that we'll do together. So just, just thank you for that, Kelly. I, I appreciate you leaning into that. You didn't You didn't pivot at all. You didn't seem nervous or shake. You just like, hey, here's where we're at, you know, and I I dig that. So I appreciate it.
3: Sure. I think it's so important. I think that, you know, uh, we always talk about, like, we know that vulnerable people are more vulnerable during these times, too. I think if Mm. we ignore, um, you know, we know that people in minority populations are already vulnerable just because of that. So we can't ignore that. And we also know that it's so valuable to have diversity among staff and volunteers so that we can truly um, represent and and reach out to people um, of all different races, cultures, socioeconomic backgrounds. So important.
0: Awesome. I love what, I love what coach was saying. It's this thing that um, sex trafficking doesn't discriminate and, 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 uh, neither should we in serving those that are in that population now real real, real quick uh we uh, general i always say that kind of come to a lot of talking about sex trafficking is this happening in akron is this happening a little bit in akron a lot in akron like um i i just drive to suburbia like w- w- what 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 is this? Give, give me kind of the um, the intel, if you will, on the ground, because yeah. I don't know that I completely understand the magnitude of all of them.
3: Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I can speak to that. Um, so I People. think that, you know, a lot of times um, maybe in the media or um, there's like social uh, there's on a social media, there's viral Facebook posts, things like that, that go out that really um, sway people to believe that sex trafficking is somewhere that it's not. Um, so, you know, it's not the um, person who's going to um, kidnap someone at Target or, um, you know, is looking after trying to come get you at Whole Foods or, you know, things that, like
0: fear, fear driven, like,
3: fear-driven, I just yeah. said, you know,
0: that kind of thing. Like, is that yeah. is that some of the myth?
3: Those are, that's the myth yeah, is that, you know, it's, it's really what it really looks like. And absolutely, it's happening in Akron, just like it's happening everywhere is um, it's happening everywhere from um, first and foremost, online, Um, as we know, technology, um, sex trafficking happens so easily now because of where we're at with technology through um, apps, social media. Um, common websites um, where people are soliciting sex and, and purchasing sex. Um, it's happening through um, the streets and strip clubs, which is why we're out on the streets and, and, and in strip clubs. That's where sex trafficking is taking place. Um, Street-level prostitution still takes place, and 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 people are 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 being harmed in that way. And um, we've also got, you know, it takes place in hotels, in residential homes. Um, it takes place, you know, a lot of times we've said the, in the human trafficking field in our backyard, which means really it takes place everywhere in every community. Um, so when you are driving down the street, when you see, um, a hotel or you see a uh, maybe a residential community um, that um, might be more vulnerable to street level trafficking Um, when you talk to children um, that are on their phones 24 7 um, they are at risk you know for being trafficked um, through predators that Take advantage of where we're at with technology. Um, So that's kind of some of the places and spaces that sex trafficking takes place. Um, There's a lot of other venues that labor trafficking takes place as well, and there's crossover there. Um, In Akron, a lot of times, um, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard the the statistic that ohio is fifth in the nation for sex trafficking that's a common one that's shared um and a lot of people that's probably the number one question i'm asked is you know why does it take why is ohio so bad like why is ohio one of the worst states and really we do have a lot we do have um a problem with trafficking absolutely it's it is rampant in our community and everywhere but The reason why we see so many um, such a high call volume to the human trafficking hotline, which is where that statistic comes from, is also because we have a pretty aware community. That means we're calling the hotline when we're seeing trafficking. That means we're Mm. making reports that we actually are noticing people being trafficked and, and, and calling and making those reports. And so that actually speaks to us having kind of an educated community. We need to do better. Um, but we, you don't want to be low on that list. Cause that means that you're not recognizing it. Cause I promise you it's happening in the state that is 50 on the list. It's happening there. It's just not being recognized and reported yet,
0: man. So that, that this thing of like, you know, every time you're driving by a, a hotel that is in one of those vulnerable places or, or just any hotel, is that what, what I'm hearing? Is like it literally like sex trafficking, it, it is. It even though I think there is some levels of education in our our area for it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I still think overall culture, it is kind of the you know it's the taken movie. That's all they can think of, which, um, you know, it's super dr- dramatic and all those kind of things. It, but you're saying it, it happens literally next door mm-hmm. without you knowing about it. O- okay, okay. So that makes me want to go crawl. Uh, crawl and put a pillow over my head. That's kind of scary. Um, w- what kind of response is actually healthy though? <laughs> to to knowing this, like, how how if I'm listening to this, how can I be like, no, I want to help with that? You mentioned a hotline. Of uh, course, you guys are doing stuff. Uh, but kind of common person in Akron, Ohio, and Greater Akron, how can they get involved? How can they? Hey, I think sex trafficking might be gone. Do I call the police?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, there absolutely is hope. I mean, that is, uh, yes, that's the reality, but there's hope because there's a lot of amazing people um, that are involved in this work and really trying to help. And and that goes from not just professionals, but also churches um, that we engage with all the way up to you know professionals that are doing this full time. Um, so I would say a couple of things. So one is engage with Rahab, of course, because we are on the ground doing this work. And so we have um fantastic volunteer opportunities um that people can get involved with um, we're we're unique in the way that we are we can have volunteers really engage on a one-on-one level with the survivors that we serve so we i mentioned our minor mentoring program um, we are always looking for volunteers, always looking for volunteers to be mentors um, to the youth that we serve. Um, so please reach out to Rahab. You can reach out on our website. Um, you can go to rahab-ministries.org and there's a um, volunteer application on there And you, or you can shoot us a message that just asks what some of those opportunities are. Um, we also have people that engage and volunteer with us at our drop-in center. Um, also some adult mentoring opportunities um, go out, on the streets with us, pray, uh, give food, go out to the clubs with us. So there's a ton of amazing volunteer opportunities that people truly can make a difference um, by engaging with Rahab in that way.
0: And just to connect that then uh, coach, because one of the big, big things and what we've absolutely loved and you guys are just the dear partner of Love Akron in this regard is we do want this. We want to start breaking up because Rahab, um, I think what coach was hitting it earlier, is evolving in that those, um, those barriers have up. Um, is there any specific kinds of, of people that you actually need volunteering? Like I hear, hey, go to the club. I'm like, that's probably not going to be my job. Like um, in general, <laughs> that's not very smart. Um, but maybe speak into that, both coach and Kelly, mm-hmm. of how we've taken efforts Um, to really go after specific people volunteering.
3: Sure. Um, So I can just talk a little bit. I'm so glad you said that. And then please, I hope that Kemp, you chime in with me um, that really there's something for everybody. Um, I think with a lot of times when you said like, you know, maybe your role might not be going into the clubs. Maybe we have plenty of opportunities to even, engage in in like service projects with us as well, you know, In actually like we have a lot of really cool stuff going on at Rahab um, that you could engage in, you know, fixing up, you know, space at maybe a drop-in or an adult safe house or um, being able to, we're developing a speakers bureau, going out and educating the community hmm. um, to be able to recognize signs of trafficking. Um, so we really are, um, there is something for everybody. So there isn't a, I wouldn't say there's a specific person that we're looking for but they definitely have to have a heart for this ministry for um the women and children that we serve and feel that call that tug on their heart that this might be an area where they really feel like they can put into action um what they they feel in their heart and actually take that step and, and put some action steps behind it so i'll let you jump in there Kemp, if you have thoughts and ideas
1: Yeah, I I think that kind of where we started when I think Stephanie first approached us was how do we just start to convene opportunities to meet with people to learn more about rehab. So I love the fact that you guys are getting the Speakers Bureau together, because I think you said a lot of things today that I wasn't aware of. I I love how you talked about the ingredients. You talked about, hey, kind of the three things. I, I, I think that. I think that. You know, when you start looking across the board at, I would say, kind of our three stigma driven things in our community, um, mental health, addiction and human traffic, those those all have stigma attached to it. And so anytime something has stigma attached to it, there's a level of embarrassment. And so everybody wants to suppress and say, no, 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 no. Um, but, um, I know my wife, Stacy, she, she does a ministry over at first glance called the connect where she's working with teen moms. And so I I instantly, as you began to talk about that, I I thought about her and somebody being able to come in to speak into those women, just not to say that they are, but just simply to say, Hey, these are some of the ingredients, you know? And not that there's going to be, if you will, a moment there, the way they say, "Oh man, yeah, that's me." But sometimes just heightening the awareness of people mm-hmm. and making them more aware that they say, "Hey, you know, man, I, I kind of, I don't, I don't know this for a fact, but I feel kind of what some of the things that were just being said." I think, I think that's just helpful. And so, um, and, she, and and Stacy, my wife, shout out to Stacy Boyd. <laughs> Um, She was a part of some of those meetings to where um, it was like, hey, I didn't know a lot about Rahab until, you know, Stephanie and Jenna started meeting with us. And they just met like, you know, four to five different times at Love Akron over lunch, just talking, just talking. Right. And, and we talk about this a lot with Love Akron is like, hey, let's value the conversation a little bit more versus just trying to get to the next thing uh, versus just trying to jump in and do something because what we want it, what we want to do, we want it to be sustainable. So let's move at a speed of trust. Yep. So we talk a lot about that and we got that from Bishop Johnson, shout out to Bishop, but that's something that he talks about. And so I think we get so driven in our doing culture to produce, 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 and do, do, do that we forget sometimes that we want whatever we do to be birthed from our being. And sometimes a part of our being, we have to get to know one another's being. And that happens through discussion. That happens through us talking and, and taking time out to do that very intentionally. And the more we do that, kind of like what you said, Kelly, you will find how your being can be a niche in the rehab mm-hmm. or into something else or into this or into that um like you say you might not be the one that goes out it, but you know hey I want to check out that mentoring thing you know because I feel like I have a lot of life experiences to give that back or yeah a community service project would be great or man, hey maybe I want to just is is there a board opportunity for me to serve um just to just to kind of be a fresh eye to some things so I think all those things are available I think what hinders us and what draws us back is is our and I said this before when I when I asked the question a while ago, is our perception, right? Of oh man, that's not for me. I don't belong there because I don't see anybody that looks like me. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, I just wanna man, I just wanna kibosh that right now. You know, I, I've been over to the rehab offices. I love Greg. Greg is my guy. Me and Greg's had some really powerful conversations. And so these things are going to get um I think there's healing that's going to happen. I think first of all, when we can heal as people, and I can heal from my own hurts, but I can be vulnerable enough to express that, hey, this this is something that's going on. So I'm gonna let you know as a brother or a sister um, in Christ that, hey, these are some of the isms surrounding this, and so, hey, I want to be a help to try to address it. Now, and I and I think that's you know, and I'm go ahead and I'm gonna say that's a part of my role, Kelly is is helping some of those discussions and conversations to happen to where man, Ray it, it are able to get into the inner city and maybe some of these inner city churches that say, Hey, we just want to identify, man, what this really is. And we want to be a resource for you. You know, we don't need you to have to figure everything out, but we're a resource just like the, the mental health organization, just like, um, the, the drug addiction stuff. Hey, we're coming as a resource resource when it comes to human trafficking. So those are things that we want to help you guys to do as much as possible, because again, we got to heighten the awareness of what's happening going on.
3: Yeah. I love that. I mean, I was getting so excited hearing you talk um, is collaborating and connecting with others. Mm. So that is my heart. And just hearing you say those things, I'm thinking you I, you add so much value, like Love Akron, and and what you guys are doing adds so much value. I mean, we couldn't do it without partner organizations like you, and with the same heart of bringing people together. Um, it really is going to be—it's a collective effort, and I love, I love hearing you say that.
1: Appreciate that. That's part of my being, and so I can't is, just, but say it. <laughs> and this t- and
0: this is this is an ongoing conversation uh kelly we'll definitely have you on here again this isn't just a one-time like uh (laughs) one time you know hey this is who this is no this is this is a a relationship uh because we want to model that as we are um as we're doing that real quick you had a video that you wanted to show and i want to put that up real quick and then we'll finish our conversation right after now a good time to kind of watch
3: that absolutely that sounds great yep
0: let me bring it up. now we have that awkward moment. This is like when somebody brings out the projector, except uh, it's not actually a projector it's It's only awkward
1: if you believe it's awkward. I don't um, think it's maybe, awkward at all.
0: It's awkward the moment that i start I start talking about it because i I'm an awkward person. Um, I'm just you know I'm just trying to be my being, you know man. <laughs> 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 all, right. all right guys, hold on just a second. I'm getting used to my, uh, my new room up here because uh, there's air conditioning upstairs, um, <laughs> and it's getting hot out. Uh, one moment. One moment. All right. Let's see if you guys are getting this goodness. Grace and mercy. All right, cool. Here we go.
2: I sit here ready, waiting for the day I fulfill my purpose. I wait for her, the first girl who calls me home, the first girl who comes to heal. As I wait, I imagine all the things that will fill up my space when she comes. On day one, there will be a bag. She won't bring much, some clothes, a few special possessions. She may not unpack right away. She doesn't know me yet. She doesn't trust me yet. After a week or so, she starts to settle. Maybe she'll have a journal on the nightstand. They take her to a therapist who encourages her to write her thoughts and feelings. Weeks pass. She starts to relax with me. Her case plan includes art therapy and she started painting for fun. She asks to hang her painting on my wall above the bed. She is secretly proud of her work. Then one day it happens. She starts to see me as her own. She leaves a sweatshirt on the bed, not put away, not constantly ready to run. The boot she wore to her first equine therapy session sit below my window. I hear her talking to her favorite staff person. She's scared of the horse, but also kind of liked it and wants to go again. And yes, she has a favorite staff person. Progress. The guitar comes next. She has to bring it up to me. Her room. She wants to play a bit longer by herself. Music therapy really connects with her. I listen as she plucks the strings. Her brow furrows at wrong notes. She tries again. I feel privileged to witness these moments of growth. Then the yoga mat. I knew it would come. I've seen her write about yoga in her journal. It's strange to breathe, relax, and begin to understand her body as her own, to make her own choices with her body. She doesn't remember a time that has been true before now. Months pass. More things come in and out of my four walls. More hints of comfort, more moments of healing. Before I realize how quickly the time has passed, she will be gone again. Ready to continue healing in the real world. Then I will be left waiting again. I will wait for the next girl and the next. And one day, years from now, I will have been well loved. I will have many stories to tell, and have seen many coats of paint and patches. But today I wait until that first girl can come.
0: That is just beautiful because that's that's the heart of it, is it's not um one, it's not one and done. <laughs> Um, but two, it's this ongoing uh, relationship and mentality with Greater Akron because these are systemic problems. These aren't. Um, this isn't just a cultural thing right now. <laughs> it's going to be for a, a long time. And uh, by God's grace and uh, by the work that we're getting to do together, uh, we we will make a huge difference uh, with that. So Kelly, if anybody wants to get involved again, um, where do they go? we got a couple links that we've already thrown up, um, but would love just to give you that platform to say, Hey, we want you and here's how, how to get in contact with Rahab.
3: Yeah, sure. Um, so I think, yeah, the easiest way, like I mentioned would be going to our website because we have a volunteer button that would um, link you directly with um a staff person that could connect you to an area of our ministry that you'd be interested in um but i will also um uh make sure that our phone number is given so if, if anybody wants to uh, to to call our offices we do have uh staff in our offices now so uh that's 330-819-3326 if we can throw that in there
2: three, three, two, um, six.
3: Yeah, and then believe at rahab-ministries.org is a great uh, email address too for anybody that's interested in volunteer opportunities. And, you know, that video that was shared was so powerful and it was um, celebrating, we're celebrating one year at Rebecca's Place, which is our juvenile safe home for for girls who have been sex trafficked. And um, so there's a lot of great um, info and opportunities on our website too. And if anybody wants to learn more about what we're doing and even just more about sex trafficking in general, um, we have a ton of great resources on our Website, podcasts, and blogs, and things like that to to read up on.
0: Awesome! So make sure to jump on there, guys. Coach, is there anything in kind of conclusion that you'd like to talk about real quick, with Miss Kelly? Uh,
1: you know, just just really excited, happy, um, Kelly, that you are to be on with us today and share your heart, share what you guys are doing. I think we're get, we're getting together. I think with rehab next Wednesday for a meeting, I I don't know if you're a part of that meeting, but come on and be a part of it. Not that you need another meeting to go to, but (laughs) um, we're going to be talking about some different initiatives that we're going to lean into. One of those initiatives is the least of these. Um, We know that as far as our belief that um, that's really important to God is how we tend to the least of these. And so um, that's something I know we've been in talks with Greg and Stephanie and, and even talking to you a little bit today about it. Um, so I hope to see you next Wednesday on that meeting.
3: That sounds great. I look forward to it.
1: Yes.
0: I, I love it. Well, thank you, Kelly. And um, yeah, we, we always do this thing at the end that we never tell guests about until you're on, which is a great lead into something. All you have to do is say love Akron at the very end because uh, this is our heart. But um, well, guys, thanks for joining us here today. And if you don't do anything else today, make sure that you
1: love Akron.
0: Love Akron. We love you, Rahab. Thank you for all you were doing. And uh, we look forward to a long partnership. Yes. See you
3: guys. Thanks, guys.